0: This is Andy Richter, and this is a special edition of The Three Questions. Uh, It is the best of 2021, which is kind of like saying um, the best-formed turd, Uh, (laughs) because 2021—well, actually, 2021 wasn't that bad. You compare it to 2020, where we were really stuck indoors and really isolated. At least we got out a little bit in 2021. Uh, you know, we're back home now. We're living with the ongoing consequences of m- multiple, multiple stupidities. Um, but, you know, you got this podcast to listen to. Uh, if you don't know, the three questions uh, is a podcast that's basically meant to sort of, you know, get people to sort of examine where they're from and why they are the way they are. The three questions are, where do you come from? Uh, Where are you going and what have you learned? And for me, one of the best things about this show is that I don't talk to anybody that I don't want to talk to. Uh, You know, like. I was on a talk show for years and frequently we had guests that we weren't that interested in, uh, to be honest. Um, I mean, I didn't have to talk to them mostly. I mean, you know, just sat and looked at the back of their heads. But, you know, when you got a show, it's a volume business. You got to make the donuts you get a lot of people in that you're kind of iffy about none of these people especially these the people that are on this edition none of them are iffy they're all they're all top drawer top drawer folks uh and we're going to be hearing from uh Chelsea Peretti Bowen Yang Aisha Tyler Jason Mansukis Nikki Glaser and Tim Meadows uh what do they have in common they're all really fucking funny like that's part of it um but also they're just great people they gave a great interview they were generous with their time with me and uh and with you frankly um because this is all for you people i i don't have any stake in this i mean i'm barely uh, the medication barely makes me even aware of where i am most of the time so um the first clip we have is with chelsea peretti uh, Chelsea Peretti, uh, who <laughs> years ago named one of her specials "One of the Greats," which I will uh, always love her for doing that. Uh, she's a very, very funny stand-up comedian. Been around for a while. Uh, is now a mother um, and is has a hilarious Instagram, uh, which is mostly just her watching videos. Uh, but she was on the show and. She talked a little bit about growing up in Northern California. She was a funny, weird kid. Um, She ended up having a lot of comedian friends uh, come out of her childhood with her and crushes on a few of them. And she also uh, talked very sort of knowingly about having uh, clarity about your passions. So here she is, Chelsea Peretti. Were you a funny kid in school? Um, I asked that a lot.
1: Yeah, I feel like I was weird. I was called weird, which is now to this day a word I really despise um, until junior high, in which point my survival instincts kicked in and I had to become extremely funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, weird and funny
0: is to often say right? yeah. there's a lot of overlap. The weird frequently.
1: was a training camp for the funny that was later to emerge. <laughs> what did what, what did weird mean? Like me and my friend were kind of like dorks and we would like, we, I found this, this play we had written called Gertrude's Revenge and it, and the subtitle was all popular kids beware. So that's what I was up to. It's like, couldn't be more of a textbook fucking dork. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I don't know. There was a really pretty hot girl there and her mom was heavily involved in the PTA. And I always came to school and like, she was like my friend. Then she wasn't speaking to me and no one else was speaking to me. Like elementary school was horrible for me and like kind of emo and painful. And then junior high, I don't know. It just kicked in. I was, I was under constant attack. The junior high school that I went to, everyone was always like, just, I mean, first of all, people were hilarious and they were always attacking each other. So you had to be ready because, you were always vulnerable, and I can still look in that yearbook and be like, "This is what this person was made fun of for." This is what that person. I could look oh, at wow. every picture and be like, "It it it comes back clear as day." It's like a a trauma memory, but but then on the other hand, that's when I became like crazy and funny. And-
0: yeah. Now that, that is interesting because like you you knew Andy Samberg and Moshe Kasher when you were like other comedians. Like, what is it about? where you guys grew up yeah. I mean, that makes it so funny. Is it, is it like a super liberal
1: area? Is it, it is. You know, yeah. Berkeley yeah. Bay area. Um, I think that Moshe actually went to the school I was just talking about. He was, uh, I think he was like a year younger than me or two. And so he was like really tiny at the time and always had red cheeks. That's all I really remember. <laughs> and he was always wearing a starter jacket as, as were most of the kids at that time. And um and Nike Cortez and whatnot, but um, and then Andy went to Berkeley High. Well, I I knew Andy from elementary school, and he mm-hmm. was in that that time where I was considered weird, and I had a crush on him, and um, he didn't really care, and that was that was. Andy, but then he went. Was
0: he at least kind about it? I
1: don't even really remember. I mean, I just remember a lot of like. That means no. No, I mean, he wasn't mean. I I don't remember him being mean. Yeah, fuck Andy. Fuck you, Sandberg. (laughs) Oh, high and mighty. (laughs) Fucking prick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I, I think it was, you know, when you're that age, your crush is so completely in isolation. It's like, you're living in an entire world by yourself. yeah You know, I just remember it was like calling his house and I feel like hanging up and just thinking he was cute.
0: And on, and what also too is weird is like the seemingly arbitrariness of it. Like why this person? Why am like, You know, like you have a detector in your brain and they have a chip in theirs and it's like, I'm obsessed with you. Yeah, it's
1: especially weird with like little kids, you know, like when you get like, so I have some younger kids in my family and they're starting to be in the age of crushes. And you're like, it's so weird. Who are they going to like and why? Like, it feels weird that kids have crushes, you know, young people.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking the other day uh, when my daughter was, I think she was. It was, you know, maybe middle school, but, uh, my, my son is gay and has been out for a long time. And so she, you know, being gay has been a very, you know, like normal thing in our household. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, she got in the car after school, my ex-wife was driving and she got in and the first thing she said is like, well, I guess I'm straight.
1: <laughs> she and was then, disappointed. And it was, yeah, she was disappointed and then <laughs> would not
0: explain like, why,
1: what are you talking about? <laughs> Never mind. Just trust me. I'm straight. Oh my! So is it like she liked someone and he didn't like her back or like she tried to to make out with a girl
0: still to this day. (laughs) Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't wait. Heard some, heard some indigo girls. Yeah. I don't know. Felt nothing. Felt (laughs) nothing. That's so funny. I I honestly don't know, but, uh, but yeah, it is, it is weird. I mean, well then also too, like having kids that go through those ages and stuff you just realize like oh my god you're just like a cloud like you're not even like a set thing you're just like a cloud of hormones and emotions and feelings and a bombardment of information, Yeah, and, you know, I
1: always think that cause it's like, you know, you ask tiny kids what they want to be when they grow up. It's like, yeah, cool. You'll be a vet. I'm sure, you know? Right, and then right. like, even when someone's in college, it's totally unclear, like what they're actually going to be, you know, like, or, Oh, I know. Yeah. Or what they're going to look like. till they've gone through puberty. You don't even know what a kid's really going to look like. Like no. there's a lot of reveals. That's what keeps it yes. exciting.
0: Yes. And also different parts grow at different rates. You know, like That's especially what he said.
4: Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like like kids like just like get giant ears all of a sudden yeah. and then their skull catches up to the yeah. ears, you know. Yeah.
1: My, I think probably seventh grade was the ugliest I've ever been in my life. I was just like kneecaps and nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I had braces and a perm and I straightened my bangs mm. with a curling iron and curled them under. It mm. was just a mess, a mess. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like, that's the cool part about being like super ugly when you were like in your teens and puberty is that no matter what you have nowhere to go, but a better look.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did, uh, were you, were you interested in performing? Like, were you in plays and things? As yeah.
1: A yeah. I did. Uh, I did theater and stuff since I was really little. I started doing classes at the American Conservatory Theater, their young conservatory in San Francisco. So I was like, really, oh, wow. yeah, I was really into theater. And I did, um, like their main stage in, in uh, ACT in San Francisco. I did two productions there and missed a bunch of school. That's why I think nice. I don't know anything about, um, states and geography and things like that. And, um, So was that in your
0: head? Like, you know, speaking of like asking a little kid what they want to do, was that kind of in your mind?
1: Well, what's funny is someone just found in my family something I had written like about how I wanted to be. I think I posted it to Instagram. I have to find it. But it was like about how I wanted to be rich and famous for acting or something. And I was like, well, two out of three. (laughs) But no, I mean, it was kind of cool to see like a dream that I had for so long, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I found uh, years later, I found, you know, like one of those baby books that you're supposed to update, you know, yeah. first year. Yeah. Second, and third. you do
1: the first couple months and then you never touch it again. Well, my, my family, or I think
0: my mom did, or my grandma did like the first two or three years, and then there was like a four year gap. <laughs> And then I found it and started filling it in myself. Oh
1: my god!
0: It's so sad. And there was like there was a definite there was a point where, I, like when I was five, I said I want to be a fireman. Well,
1: wait, how and many then, years commitment was this book? It's like up through fifteen. It, it was like yeah, like exactly. Yeah, that's no, too it was much. Like
0: some. It was like, you know, like something you buy at like a Hallmark store. Yeah, you know? but
1: still, I mean it should end at a year. Like it's it's wild that it would go anywhere. I mean, that's a huge undertaking for any parent. Yeah, I know, but it's also, you know, there would things It's didn't. like 48. Andy just tried <laughs> a matcha latte. <laughs> 32. First gray hair. At forty, <laughs> doctors were right. He
0: needs reading glasses. It's
1: like who, and also it's like who will eventually read this? This is a lot of details. Yeah. It's all, it's well, my, bi- your my biographer, biographer, of course. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I remember, like at five, I think I said fireman for some reason, which I feel like I, I, pr- I probably didn't realize. I just was like, I felt like I got to put something. Yeah. Up. But then, like at six or seven, I actually, I, I, w- I went from actor to then the next year, comedian. Like, I'd obviously nice. learned the word comedian. So yeah. there again, it was kind of the same thing. Of I So that's, like, oh, that's you know. when you
1: first became aware of how hot actors are.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I knew I could <laughs> yeah. never hold it up. I was like, actor. And then I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, comedian. I'm going to have this toddler body the rest of my life. Fuck that. I'm a comedian. People are going to laugh at this. Um when I take my clothes off, it's a different thing. No. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I I do feel like, yeah, it's, it is kind of neat that you knew this thing. It is. I that.
1: always think that that's like one of the biggest gifts I've ever, you know, I have in my life is a clarity of what I'm passionate about and what mm-hmm. what drives me because – when people don't have that, I literally have no idea what to tell them. Like, if someone's like, yeah. I don't really know what I want to do and da-da-da, it's just so hard for me to... I just feel so thankful that I have a passion that drives my life because yeah. I can't imagine what life would be without that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's akin to a religion, you know, and what, what I feel like some people get from religion.
5: Can't you tell my loves are growing?
1: This
0: next uh, clip is from Bowen Yang, uh, who has taken the world by storm. Um, I knew Bowen. He used to do these hilarious kind of lip sync videos. And it's just like, who's this guy doing these hilarious (laughs) lip sync videos to old campy clips and not so old campy clips. Uh, But SNL took note of him, too. And they hired him. And he is one of the funniest people on that show right now. And when he talked to me, he talked a little bit about the ups and downs of that job because there are plenty of both. Um, he got advice from some former castmates. He goes into the he gets into the hiring process, which is pretty interesting. And he also uh, tells us something about those viral lip sync videos that he does. I love Bowen. I think with SNL too. It uh, you know with the exception of like. Eddie Murphy or something. It takes a while. It oh, takes yeah. A, you know, and it takes a while. Yeah. And it's so strange because there's like so many shows, so many episodes of SNL where it only occurs to me afterwards, like, oh, I only saw Melissa Villasenor once in that sure, episode. Sure, you know, sure. I mean, there's just, uh-huh. you know, the way that it all, the cards get kind of dealt. Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. go through a few weeks of not
5: having totally.
6: much to do. Oh, I've had those stretches, and I yeah. anticipate having those stretches going forward. But, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a job where it only gets clear in hindsight. Which I, I which might be true for any job, but for me, it's like. But this is just the way that like people like build out legacies. There, I think, is that like when you think of a cast member that you love, maybe with the exception of Eddie Murphy, um, you go. You're only really thinking of the highlight reels. You're not thinking about. Oh, they were dead. Like that was a sketch where they didn't really deliver or whatever. You know, like I, I don't, I don't don't think we think of like SNL cast members in those terms, but, but I think any cast member will tell you. I mean, not that I've like surveyed them, but like I think most cast members will tell you that like, oh yeah, like there are dark, desolate times when you feel like you're not part of the thing. Um, but I was even talking to like um Kristen Wiig when she hosted uh, over Christmas, where she was like. And she was very encouraging, and she was like, "You know, you should just appreciate this job, even in the bad times it's the you should just remember that it's the funnest job in the world because when you're gone, you'll miss it and I was like, Oh my God, like to have her say it is like one yeah. thing because it's her, but then to have her to have her also acknowledge that there are bad, hard times, which means that she's had those times is like kind of crazy to me because I'm like, yeah, I thought I thought you had like as desirable and ideal of a tenure here as anyone would would want um but even she probably experienced those moments of like god i i can't hack it or whatever yeah yeah
0: well it i mean i don't
6: know how it is now but i
0: i i mean a yes it is a you're working in rockefeller center which i mean Mm -hmm. i still can't believe that i got to work for seven years in rockefeller center and i had an office (laughs) but working in that building and also too I mean, because I used to, on Thursdays, when there would be, the musical guest would rehearse, mm-hmm. we would just go down the stairwell, one one floor, and then pop in the back door of the stage, and then stand and watch, mm. fill in the blank, watch right, Prince, right. you know, right. like oh God, from 20 yeah. feet away with 30 other people. And 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 just that feeling of, it, you know, it's like, Wow, you're here, this you're is in it TV. Now, yeah. Like, I'm really, I am in TV now, and it still, you know, is thrilling. It's still like can't kind of believe it. That's that's great because
6: I'm yeah. like, will I? I'm like, will I? Will this ever go away? I mean, I'm like, will this feeling? Will I ever be so like, I don't know, numb to that reality? Because I guess because I still wake up and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you're not. <laughs> if that goes away, that means you're an asshole, <laughs> basically. Maybe I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. I could become uh-huh. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you started. You kind of the you first crossed my radar by doing lip sync videos. Oh, sure. Uh huh. On on the internet, and yeah, what that was so. What 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 spurred that on? We just
6: like just fucking around and in your apartment and basically yeah. I mean there was um there was a live show that happens every year in Brooklyn called the Inner Beauty Pageant and it's run by this fantastic comedian Joe Firestone. Um and you needed there was like a, you had to design your own swimsuit and then you also had to come up with a talent. It's like a yeah. traditional beauty pageant structure and so um I couldn't. Figure anything out. And so I was like, you know what? I'll lip sync to this like clip of Tyra Banks yelling at this poor girl. Oh, right. We were rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. And I did that at the show. Was kind of like truly shocked at like people like because I was like, this is such a gimmicky, like party tricky yeah. thing, but I, okay, people like it. And then I, I remember just being sick one day. I was home, bored, fucking around with my camera and just did it and posted it to Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay, people, oh, people, this is that same, like, weirdly scaled response where I'm like, oh, people like this more than I thought they would, yeah. which I know sounds like really, whatever, um, Yeah, dumb, but I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And then I just kind of, like, kept it going. And then after a certain point, I was like, you know what, there's something about this, there's something about this that I thought, I started to get very insecure about it because I was like... Because for a while I, like, wasn't really, like, writing well comedy-wise. And I was like, you know, I should maybe rest this thing because it's not generative in the sense of, like, it's an idea coming from my head and I'm, yeah. like, executing it on the page, the stage, whatever. So I was like, I I should, like, maybe just phase this out because it feels like it's contingent on what another person says or does, which I know sounds, again, very abstract. Um, but that's when I was like, you know, I'll, I'll let me just like rest this. And so I haven't really done it since. But
0: Now, uh, when you got the job writing on SNL, mm-hmm. um, was that did you come to their attention because of those videos?
6: I don't think it was because of those videos. I I, I went the pretty traditional route of submitting the tape yeah. um, with my characters, fully thinking they would never they would never hire me. I am like fully I do not fit into that. I like. I don't have. There, there is no lane for me there. Yeah. Um, do you think that is not because because you're Asian? Because it was that. It was my sort of sensibility, probably being a little too like not family friendly. Not family friendly, but like truly like not compatible with. Yes. What they do there. Um. Do you mean gayer? Gayer and also just like. Which is not the same thing, but also probably just like, I don't know, looter and just like yeah. just dirtier yeah. at the time. I remember just being very into, by the time I got to college, I like discovered, she'd already been very established at the time, but I like discovered Sarah Silverman. And it was just yeah. like, oh my God, like that's like, that's sort of like her wheelhouse and is like, let me try that on for size. And, yeah. um, and she's a genius at it too. Like that was kind of like the the little neighborhood I was in yeah. at the time when I first auditioned, but I was like, all right, well, let me put together this tape. I did like this, like my soul, instru- my soul cycle instructor guy. I did yeah. like, um, I did a Michiko Kakutani impression. She like writes reviews for the New York times. She is, yeah. Okay, great. Um, we're, we're just, mutuals was- on Twitter. <laughs> oh, me you are! Yeah, yeah. Wow, you and Michiko. Is, she, is her avatar still that little egg or something? I think uh, she like has. I can't anyway. remember. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 a big one. That's that's a good follow. I know. Um, I'm like that was. I'm impressed. Yeah, I still With yourself? Yeah. She's <laughs> smart. Oh my god,
0: smart. When smarty people, when smart people follow me, I'm like, oh well. I know. Uh, hello. I know.
6: <laughs> 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 she um, but I just I just loved that she like no one. Like she's only had her picture taken like, you know, twice in her life and yeah. no one knows what she sounds like. And so I was like, Great, this is perfect for me to do an impression of her, quote unquote. Right. Right. I, I get to just make it whatever I want. Has that been on the show? Because I don't know that I've ever- it, has, it has not it has not been on the show. I don't think there's a place for it. But they could, I
0: mean, you know, that that whatever the impression is could be anybody. You know, I mean, if it you know oh, what I sure. mean.
6: Yeah. Yeah, sure. It could be, it could be. I just feel like it was Maybe it was a little mean spirited because I was in a scarf and a wig. Um, but like But the voice was butched like this and it's Michiko Kakutani and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go punch Juno Diaz in the face. It was like that. That was the impression. Um and so I don't I don't know if that there's I don't know that there's a place for it, but yeah. I but I, but but this but like I like I like did this because I was truly like I was treating the tape as a bit. I was like, there's no way yeah. this is ever gonna like move past the first stage gate or whatever and so but i mean i thank goodness for it because i i think i it was a a very true to me tape and so it made it to them and then then i got the showcase and then i got the screen test and um so it happened through that route and then kept coming back in and kept being asked to do new stuff and then um they put me on hold for a year came back the next year did it again then they were like hmm not cast, but maybe writer. I was like, so happy to do it. Um, and then, yeah. And then just kind of started started there. Was the, the year that you
0: got hired as a writer, was that the first time that you had made your complete living in show business? Yeah,
6: it was. Um, I had just left my day job as um, just doing like graphic marketing design, like a few months before. Because at that point, I had already done the audition twice. And I already, I didn't, but then I kept my day job for a year. Yeah, but like at that, but I spent that whole year being like, "Well, if I got to that, if I if I got that far in the SNL audition process, hopefully that means I can strike out on my own and not have to worry about this and just see." Yeah, um, but then it timed out very, just very well, where I left my job and then three months later got hired to do SNL. Want to make
7: mom's day?
0: And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.
0: Love the
2: flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com/network today.
3: Coverage not available in some areas.
5: See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Can't
0: Next up is Aisha Tyler. Aisha's just I've known Aisha for a long, long time and she just has really evolved into kind of doing everything. She, you know, she's a standup comedian. She was a sketch comedian. Then she was on a talk show, a, you know, an opinion driven talk show for a long time. And now uh, she's fighting zombies on TV. Uh, she talks a little bit about growing up as a hippie as she's another Northern Californian. Um, she talks about being a lapsed vegetarian, uh and sort of what her after death plans are and talking about and she's as far as i know the only guest we've had so far who grew up on an ashram or ashram i don't know i'm from illinois so it's ashram enjoy aisha tyler
7: i am a secret hippie i'm a closet i'm a a closet hippie hippie. Yeah, Yeah, yeah i am um,
0: a lot of I, fish playing at your house all the time. Oh God, not that kind of hippie, <laughs>
7: <laughs> but, um, uh, the lyric, uh, the, the, the license plate on my car is the lyric of a Pink Floyd song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, off of, uh, I'm not going to say what it is lest people follow me around. Los right. Angeles. Exactly. But, um, but I do, I, I am an old school hippie and I have, uh, I like, you know, my, some of my first, well, the first album I bought was Metallica's Kill 'Em All. That's not hippie music, but I was really into like, you know, uh, Zap and The Doors and I have been to a few Grateful Dead concerts. Yeah. Um, oh God, who was that? Ba- now their name is not even in my head and I loved them. Uh, the band that were the lead guy was also this incredible flautist.
0: Oh, Jethro Tull? Jethro Tull. I was, I was yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. not such a
7: fan that I remember their names, <laughs> but I was a huge Jethro it's Tull. It's been a while. I a kid. Yeah. I'm it's very old. I'm just, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm yeah. vintage. Um, But yeah. And also my parents were like, um, they grew up on the East Coast, but they moved to California specifically because they were big hippies. So like, oh, I, lived, really? I lived in an ashram when I was growing up. I was vegeta- I was raised a vegetarian. Wow. Med- meditating, all of that stuff. So yes. Are like, you still
0: are you still a vegetarian? Have you managed Oh, to- no. Oh, No, really? no,
7: no, no. Well, here's what's interesting. Um, and you were talking about how like experiences when you're a kid kind of becomes seminal in your life, right? So I was raised a vegetarian, but like not in a vegetarian community, really, like- my, at the Ashram was vegetarian, but at school, everybody had, like, bologna and shit. And so, like, that's not fucking cool when, like, right. not only do you not have meat, but, like, you have, li- like, literally inedible hunks of, like, carbon-based matter for lunch. Like, that kid's got pizza, and you've got, like, a date. Or so, spelt or whatever. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, spelt almost, would have been elevated. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, yeah. dates and these, like, kind of fig newtons that were made out of, like, bark. Yeah. Uh, and so I was just like a beggar when I was a kid. Cause like, you know, typically the currency of childhood is like, I'll give you half the bologna for like your jello cup. And I was like, right. I will eat whatever rejecta you choose to <laughs> fling into the garbage can. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was a little isolating. And I wonder, I think when I was older, I found that to be, I mean, not in any kind of like deep trauma way. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bouncy personality, but, um, I did kind of like kind of have a PTSD and then just want to eat like everything like meat and offal and uni and,
4: Clams, yeah, yeah. clams
7: that look like penises and vaginas. I'll just yeah, I'll do yeah. anything now. But I but now um I kind of am a little bit of a flex just because I feel like it's probably better for me. It's probably better for the planet not to be eating a yep. steak every day for breakfast. So yep. I'm pretty much vegetarian at home and then like I'll go out and eat a steak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I I'm well aware of like how much red meat uh, hurts the planet and mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a lot of stuff about like the actual eating of animals because I do mm-hmm. feel like Look at nature. Animals eat animals. Everything's, animals, man. everything's animals. eating everything. You know.
7: I always I, I, I have some really hardcore vegan friends that I adore. By the way, if they're listening, yeah, you're so nice. But um, eh, I they're like it's cruel, and I do think factory farming is cruel and probably yes. not not good for people either because it's very dirty. But. Eating an animal is no less cruel than like a cheetah just snapping up a gazelle and eating it from the ass and forward while the gazelle <laughs> is still aware <laughs> and watching itself be devoured. Yeah. There goes my other haunch. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. This is going terribly. Oh, my liver. There it go. So yeah. So I don't, I think, I think eating less meat is just kind of like a good idea, but I agree. I don't Absolutely. really have like a moral thing about eating animals. If I was like one of those people I'd like hunt, like I have a buddy who was vegan for a while, but he's like. I'll catch my own meat, and we were like, "Yeah, okay, I love that Bob. shit." Let's see how long that lasts. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I lo- he, I, he, he I, didn't. It didn't last long. It didn't last long. Yeah, I love. Like it I love that long.
0: <laughs> I loved. I love to fish, but I only like to fish if I can eat them because then, like me harassing this fish, has a purpose. <laughs> Whereas if you just <laughs> like, catch a fish and then pull it into the boat and take the hook out and throw it back, I just feel like, like that's just mean. Dick. Yeah. He's such,
7: now he's got like a like a, a, a gaping injury in his yeah. mouth that's never going to heal right. It's he's like gonna, somebody, yeah. you know, throwing <laughs> you into the back
0: of a van and driving you halfway across town and then dumping you off. You know, it's like,
7: <laughs> you're like what was the purpose of any <laughs> yeah, of this? Yeah.
0: There's Way like to go. A, I wanted a, real, a photo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I took a picture holding your foot. Oh, up in the God. air. Yeah, I
7: agree with you. I agree. Yeah, but I think I would I would hunt. I mean, I would, too, I would if hunt. I live somewhere uh, like but, I have yeah. friends
0: that live upstate New York and like they can't grow a garden because there's so many deer. And I feel like, well, hell, yeah, if I had, you know, venison showing up in my backyard, I might take a pop at it just to, you know turn it into protein. I feel the same way about me. Like, I'd be happy to be turned into protein for somebody, I for think some it would creature. I ni- a
7: nice legacy, a way yeah. to move on. You know, now, now you're no longer Andy, I, you're I, a gazelle I, I'd or be, whatever. Well, I'd
0: be happy to just, you know, dog food. That'd be fine. <laughs> I honestly don't care. That'd be I, fine. I
7: actually, that's so interesting because I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, once I'm out of this vessel, I'm not really that invested in uh-uh. what happens to it next. Mm-mm. I definitely want to donate all my organs and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, like the scraps, I, uh, you know, like buried in the backyard. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. No, mine, my, my directives are just, uh, cremated and toss me in water. I don't even, it could be a puddle. I don't Stir care.
7: Stir Andy into yeah. water, like a scoop of Metamucil. I just, <laughs> <And> then,
0: <laughs> I just don't want to take up any real estate. I think that's silly that every, it doesn't dead, make sense. Every dead all. person needs a place to lay down at, can't do something else with
7: there's not enough real estate quite honestly to bury everybody in a six by six by three foot grave it's just not gonna work so yes yeah well now
0: i want to go back to ashram you're the first guest i've had well maybe the first person i've known raised in an ashram now is that when your parents are together because i know they split kind of young
7: um they split when i was 10 so it was before it was before then yeah yeah um and yeah, we were together, but it was, it was, um, and it's interesting because I have really positive memories about it. it you know, I, I, people like watch wild, wild country and they think everybody was like trying to poison each other and have group yeah, sex. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, it was a very, very anodyne experience, but, um, but you, but men and women couldn't live together in this ashram, even if you were married. So, uh, I, I it was kind of like dormitory living. So I lived with some other like adult women, uh, like, you know, I mean, like just kind of like nice ladies. And, uh, my parents were around and, um, and it was really fun cause it was kind of a compound. So like you had a lot of autonomy as a kid in there cause you, it was, it was super safe. So you could run around yeah. everywhere and play and you could hide. There were all these really cool places to hide in this thing and like spy on people and then yell at them and scare them. And I mean, it was, and then you had some kind of, you, you know, I went to school and I did my homework and I had some responsibilities. I did some chores, but it was rad. Like, um, one of the things that was really common was that people would bring offerings into the ashram, like flowers, and they would bring a lot of candy. And so oh. the candy situation in this joint was just premium A1 <laughs> abundance. <laughs> and they wouldn't just bring, like, chocolate bars. They'd bring, like, you know, like, boxes of C's candy, you know, like, yeah, chewy yeah. nuts. And um, and,
0: <laughs> and is that just meant as an offering to Yeah, the like, Buddha? you know, like,
7: people—yeah, like, exactly, to, like, the gods or— you know, people knew that it would end up pink, it would end up in the community, so it was kind of a way to like, make an offering, and then they knew that it would get eaten, um, and. Yeah, I just—it was just rad. I was just like chomping down on like cordial cherries on a on a regular basis. <laughs> cordial cherries. <laughs> all the gra- all the grandma candies. Yeah, all the the Worthers, the chewy caramels, the cordials,
0: <laughs> the ribbon candies. in oh, a tin that they may yes. have been there for ten years. Forever. No one. Yeah. What is
7: the flavor of ribbon candy other I than like you know just red sugar? Yeah, about, totally. But
0: I just, I had an a great aunt, uh, a, a spinster aunt classics <laughs> and she always had like just the I don't know where she got them the weirdest tins of strange like Ukrainian hard candies oh
7: I love it the, oh this, so it's strange it's just like inexplicable Katie yeah. my grandmother loved Werther's and she would eat, like, a full bag of Worthers a day, and it really fucked with her continents, guys. So just watch out as you get older that you don't slide into some kind of a, a caramel K-hole yeah. where you're just Worthering and pooping all day long. Just it's stay not, on the toilet just, with yeah, the Worthers it Get that nice, high, soft seat so you can just kind of go right through
0: you.
7: Um, I'm like, oh this oh doesn't seem as fun as it seems to you, Grandma. Right, right. Yeah. The one thing I was going to say about oh, the awesome thing was that... Um, it, I I think like people kind of find it to be very odd, but it just felt like I was at summer camp for most of yeah. the time. Yeah, how long and was it? I think we lived there a couple years. Yeah, then we lived in Ethiopia for a while and kind of a meditative. We went to like a meditative retreat, uh, and then my mom lived in India for a while. So we were they were my family was really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then and then we moved back into like normal old like regular American people housing.
0: So. Yeah, and did they <laughs> did that? Now were they? hindu or were they buddhists or you know what, you that's know? a good
7: question so this was like us this was like a hindu uh like influenced group like a hari
0: krishna knockoff kind of thing
7: uh not as exciting as the hari krishna thank well, god yeah. no it sounds I, it sounds mild for, yeah it sounds my tolerance mild. for symbols is very low yeah. i can't be and head
0: shaving same. yeah uh, no not for yeah. me
7: no um the, the 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 sect was Siddha Yoga Dham, so it was a very meditation-based sect, and it was based on kind of Hindu practices, and mm-hmm. uh, it just involved, like, you know, meditating and chanting and doing some public service. You know, you were required to do, like, to do service, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, eating a lot of vegetables and shit. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is not into it. Both of my parents have left that group, and my mom is now a Buddhist, and she has been for about 25 years. Oh, wow.
0: And yeah. uh, and your dad, is he practicing anything? My dad's if, my if dad just- still-
7: Looking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend the time being the Neighborhood Action Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you tell my
1: loves are growing?
0: Next up is Jason Mantzoukas. Such a funny, funny, just sensitive, talented man. Uh, If you don't think you know Jason Mantzoukas, you do. You've seen him in something because he's been in so much stuff and he's so good. Uh, He talks a little bit about having cable TV and how... That's sort of an old person thing now. Uh, he talks a little bit about dad TV, which is one of my favorite genres of television. And then we talk about uh, listening to old-timey radio and how superhero movies are sort of the Westerns of today.
3: Here's Jason Manzukas. People like us should be, like older people, should be the people that are like, yeah. of course I still watch you know, yeah, yeah. Colbert, of course, I still watch The Tonight Show yeah. or whatever is your show. Of course, that's how, you know, like somebody laughed at me recently because I told them I, I have cable. And they were like, wait, I know, you actually still pay for cable? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. has thi- Have things tipped now so hard that to still have cable is preposterous? And the answer was yes. It is perceived of as something only for old people.
0: Well, sorry. I know. You know oh, I mean, it's like, it's over. no. That is sailed. And I still watch TV and it kind of bugs my kids. I put on the TV and then I put on the guide and flip around and see what's on. And that's
3: I and you and you discover great
0: stuff. Yeah. Or just whatever. Honestly, there's there is still, and it still matters to me, it someone else is playing that somewhere. Yes. I am making a connection to someone in real time, like whether it's just somebody put on a, you know, pushed a button on a computer that made, you know, house hunters international play at this particular moment, but this is
3: happening right now. Well, if yes, to speak to that exact point, it feels like you are living present tense. Yes. You know, like I'm discovering this other thing that's happening right now as well. We both, me and this show are living in at this moment in time, not like, me calling up anything I want to watch because I can, that seems like a closed circuit, you know? It's just me deciding right now I want to watch Letter Kenny on Hulu or whatever, you know? So I'm going to watch it and I'm going to love every episode because it's absolutely genius and hilarious. But there is something wonderful about flipping through channels and catching on Nat Geo some show about a guy who's like, you know, I'm going to, using only primitive tools, I'm going to survive in the pre-Saharan desert for mm-hmm. a week. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, I want to watch this. Yeah, I, I sure, I okay. Have, I wouldn't have known this, but go, let me see. Yeah. You know? Or like, you know, the giant
0: monster fish that, that roamed early, you know, prehistoric waters like, OK, oh, this you is know. just
3: dad. This is just dad. TV oh, it's talk.
0: all dad stuff. Dad yeah. TV
3: talk. You, yeah. you with your ancient monsters and me with my survival shows.
0: <laughs> my daughter, my daughter insult. She's like she there was. Oh, she was talking about. It was some like kind of domestic drama movie, you know, like some sort of you know, poignant family story that touched on truths. And I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> and, and she's like, she's like, well, I'm sorry that it isn't Braveheart 2. And oh I'm my like, God. What? what is that? And she's like, she goes, that's all you watch is stuff like that. And I'm like, that is, that is not true. It is
3: not true. But Braveheart 2 is a great pitch.
0: But I, I'm the same way with radio. I flip through. I listen to MSNBC. I listen to Howard. I listen yeah. to... One of my favorites on Sirius XM is the old timey radio shows. Sure. Like, I love listening to these old radio mysteries, you know, with the old commercials. It's like, talk about old man shit. This, I, I was like, just going to say, Christ. this just yeah, went yeah. to a whole other yeah, level. Yeah.
3: You know what I love? I love the old radio dramas where you can really <laughs> hear the Foley work. I mean, no, like, this honestly, is very I just, sad.
0: I've just like, to me, it's like a, it's a, it, I like stories. Like, I like if I got to drive at night and it's like, I, I don't want to
3: listen to yeah. a whole audio You want to book, turn but... on the radio and have it be like, woo, woo, woo. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's enough, like... Lorraine. I've had enough from you. <laughs> Precisely. What are you doing with that gun? Oh no! I Pow. love that shit. I
0: love that <laughs> shit because, and also too, I just love like there's things like, like whenever I've noticed in them, like whenever anybody says like, you know, you know, Wilbur, I want a divorce, like. <laughs> That woman's going to die like that. Like once you say like, I want a divorce or Wilbur's going to die. Like yeah. one or the other of them.
3: You can't mention divorce on an no. old timey
0: radio show. You, like, divorce without, yeah. in
3: the olden days is not allowed. Somebody, somebody or both have to die. Yeah. They have to be punished murdered. for that transgression.
0: I actually had an idea. I had an idea for a movie script that was set. And it was like, a, it was a bigger than just this, but it just happened to be set in like the old time radio world. Yeah. And I told it to my agent and he's like, I don't think anybody wants to see that. <laughs> like, okay. It's Thank so true. You. Thank you. That for is the honesty. so true. Yeah. Cause well, it's like, it's like Westerns. Nobody wants to see Westerns. There's fucking great Westerns that get made and no one
3: sees. Nobody's them. interested in Westerns. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, well, to be fair, like I think to be fair, um, I think our version of Westerns now is superhero movies. Yes. You know, like superhero movies are for all intents and purposes because Westerns in that for the previous generation from the TV Westerns like Rawhide and Bonanza, the pulpy kind of Westerns to like the, you know, John Ford, you know, uh, you know, incredible, beautiful, you know, like like tremendous cinema, uh, John Huston, John Ford, like those Westerns, Nicholas Ray. And then you get into like the Sergio Leone. There's so many different versions of Westerns, yep. all the spaghetti Westerns, all that stuff. That's kind of, you know, this is maybe going to sound ridiculous, but that's kind of what's happening now with superhero movies.
0: No, absolutely. It's they're formulaic escapes. You know, it's the same thing. Like I love samurai movies and I yeah. like, and it's, they're all the same sort of elements. You know, it's like Mexican food. Yep. There's about eight things and you mix them up in different ways and you get 12 different dishes. You know I mean? it's yeah it, and and i and there's something satisfying about that on a very like biological level we obviously like that yes. we like coming back to slightly different versions of something we've seen before well there's you know? also like
3: i mean I, I i think there's also a finite number of stories and how we tell them is what's interesting yes you know and so and and i think the same thing with songs yeah. You know, it's not that I think that um some it's it's that like there you know like everybody does uh, does a love song. I just happen to love the love songs from the artists I love the most because yes. they speak to me. But yeah. that doesn't mean all those other bands and love songs, like people who like the Eagles, a band that I legitimately despise. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, great. I like that yeah. you like the Eagles because they resonate with you. They, they do not with me, yep. but that's fine. And that's yep. kind of what it is. I think is everybody kind of has a different in, I think everybody's taking inspiration from the same kinds of stories and then putting them out into the world. And everybody, we especially live now in a world where so much stuff is being pushed at us like, like, an overwhelming amount of content yeah. between music and TV and film, and like you know, and then also not to mention social media and like stuff that is now on our screens, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or in the past Vine or things, small platforms that were also places where creative people could kind of put stuff up that was whatever, funny, informative, whatever version of it. There now, people are able to curate a playlist of all of these elements that hits their sweet spot. Yeah. You know, there is no longer or very little is there. Every single person watched mash last night. Yeah. You know, or whatever,
0: you know, whatever. Or like happy days. Sure. The number one show on TV, try and watch a fucking happy days. Oh my God. And when you think about the fact that
3: like, you know, on a weekly basis, like, 50 million people watched Happy Days every Yeah. Compared to, like, an episode of Parks and Rec that, or, you know, or or 30 Rock where they got, like, a million people yeah. to watch it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that is such a wide gap, Yeah, you know? Uh, we're just in an environment now where it's, like, so—the audiences for everything are so small so that when something does break through, like a Game of Thrones or something that feels like it has some stab at creating— a monocultural experience that everybody is like around the water cooler kind of talking about it those are now what used to be very ordinary parts of our week kind of sharing our thoughts about the show we all watch has now turned into like we're we're all watching different everybody's trying to instead of everybody being like did you see blank last night everybody's trying to turn each other on to the shows they like yeah that they assume nobody else knows about
2: We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today.
3: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
5: Can't you tell my loves are growing?
3: Nikki
0: Glazer is another person that I have... Known for quite a while, and have kind of just seen her explode. She's one of the biggest best stand ups out there today, and she's just so so funny and always always has been um she's also well the thing that I love most about her is just how frank and open and unafraid she is to talk about herself and why she is the way she is and and if she has questions about things, she's not afraid to ask them in a public way. She's um, she's a beautiful open book. And uh, we talked a little bit about how your parents might have fucked you up and, and sort of how you got to end up forgiving them and, and how your parental relationship changes. And we talked a little bit. Uh, she's not a parent, at least as far as I know. I mean, I you know, these people, these celebrities all have secret lives that are an absolute mystery to me um but we talked a little bit about what it means to make the right choices as a parent uh here is the hilarious nikki Glazer.
4: You know, I've had a a long journey with my parents being, like, fun and partying a lot and my mom and them drinking and then me stopping drinking and and wanting to be removed from them because of that and and resenting, like, working on all these resentments in therapy. I mean, therapy is pretty much you just go and learn how your parents fucked you up and then you learn to, like, hate them for it and then you learn to forgive them for it and accept them as they are. And it's a long process. So I'm at that point, especially living with them this past year, where— I just no, no matter what ways they fucked me up, it has served me, and I can see that now. And they only—they're not evil. They only meant well. They actually—that—that I, that I did my best. Shit, I always was like, really, you did your—that's—I don't really buy that. But they—they they love me, and that's—and I've accepted that the things they're not great at is just a, a product of how they were raised. And I do get frustrated sometimes, though, and want—and I think. I try to with my stand up and going on podcasts and being so honest is I want them to hear that and learn to be as honest with their feelings as I am, because I think it would free them from some of the the things that they struggle with that I mm-hmm. you know, but you can't make your your parents go to therapy or or talk about their feelings. But no, um, I love them so much. and I really am grateful that yeah, I'm just in the end. I'm so thankful that for the parents I have, they really are are awesome and and so fun and and I just like did a reality show with them over pandemic. I was living with my parents and I go, this is a reality show, and yeah. that's all the shows I watch is reality it's like that's uh, what I like to watch. And I feel like if I was a producer on it, I could control it in a way where I wouldn't look like a, a housewife, you know, like flipping tables. So I was like, we should do this show. So I pitched it and then. You know, by the time I moved out is when they're ready to film it. And I'm like, oh, God, right. I got to go back and do this. So we just <laughs> shot a pilot and they were hilarious. And it was And now I realize I did that because they're going to be gone someday. And I want to look back and be able to see footage of them and really remember them. So it's uh, and I want to spend more time with them so and, and have a reason to stay in St. Louis and not have to yeah. have to go back to New York or L.A.
0: It. You know, I've seen, I saw a lot of videos online of you guys on Instagram, yeah. you know, throughout the pandemic and that you can tell that there's a lot of love there and that it's, and like, I, I would, I watched them <laughs> like, you know, like excited or not, you know, I don't yeah, know no excited, but you know, would... I looked forward to your videos with your folks Thanks. because A, it's a weird situation, like totally. to, to have to go back home, Jesus Christ, I would I know. I don't know. I think I'd sleep in the garage or something. I, I just, uh, but I, it, but there did seem there's just warmth and love, and you know, and and it, you can see that they love you and they are very proud of you. Yeah,
4: they yeah. they are, and you know, I.
0: I mean, it, they're assholes. They, <laughs>
4: yeah, they they are so proud of me, and they like I I realize now like I pursued this because of them. Like my dad's sense of humor. You know, my dad was the first one to turn me on to, to Conan when I was fairly young and was like, you got to check out the show. And and I always tell the story. But the first time I saw the show, like the stuff you guys were doing, I just felt finally like understood. Like there's some there's weirdos like me that laugh, that think like people are doing this stuff. You know, it just it just it blew my mind. I just remember the moment in like that I saw the show and then I became obsessed. And so the things he exposed me to shaped who I am comedically. And I want their, I'm constantly trying to get their love and attention and approval and they love famous people. <laughs> so like that, and, <laughs> and and the reality show thing, my mom loves reality. And I hear Howard Stern talk about how he got into radio because his dad only liked listening to the radio and he wanted his dad's attention. And I realized, oh, that's why I want a reality show. My mom lo- is much more interested in the housewives' personal lives than she is mine. And it almost yeah. bothers me that my mom doesn't, care that i am not married yet and don't have kids like they're totally fine with it and i would almost rather her be like so to meet anyone like there's never that push which is 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 actually a very nice thing because i don't feel any pressure and also i want to say like my parents are my like kids to me like they inspire me to work because i want to be able to get them into a really good nursing home someday. Like (laughs) I'm not even joking. Like I don't want to, I want them to be able to be taken care of and not get, you know, festering bed sores. So I take gigs. And you sure,
0: you sure as shit don't want (laughs) to be sponge bathing them.
4: Exactly. I don't want to be, you know, whenever they buy new shit in their house, I go, I don't, I'm not going to like, look at that and go, Lauren, do you want this? Do I, I'm going to hire someone to go through all of this shit. Like I, clean it out. Now the stuff you want me to keep, because I'm going to have someone else do it. And that's, that's why I work hard is I want money to be able to pay people to do the things I don't want to do. Cause I, you know, but that is, you know, it's not about fame anymore. It's really about, uh, being able to take care of, of my parents. And until I have kids, I just, and I was hearing you talk about to Zach Galifianakis and your podcast with him about having kids and 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 how it motivates you and, and gives you just a new reason for living. And I really feel like living with my parents and seeing them getting more dependent on me and just, you know, uh, my eyesight and my ability to, to lift <laughs> chairs. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. It,
4: it, it really was like, OK, I'm going to I got to work harder. I'm going to accept this this commercial that I don't want to do or I'm going to go. You know, I got to think I got to think about how to earn more money so I can afford that bunker because the, the, the world's ending soon, you know.
0: Well, I can I can understand like for me when I hear you say like my mom's more interested in the the housewives' life than your life. It's because the housewives' lives are easy. (laughs) Like (laughs) to be worried about your life is like that's
4: real, and that's and she's not responsible for the countess uh, having being, being bad with men. Whereas right, right. maybe well, she that, has a, a role for me in that. Yeah. <laughs> or,
0: and yeah. And if the countess really fucks up, who can, it's like, it's good. It's, it's, it, whereas if you really fuck up, it's terrible. It's painful. It's awful. Yeah. It's the end of her life in a way, you know? You're so and right.
4: I never even thought about that, honestly. Yeah,
0: And it's, it, it's having kids. I thought of it when you were talking about it earlier too, that, you know, the thing about your, well, when you were saying, you know, your parents, the, the, they did the best they can, like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, you got to aim high. And you know, like, you got to, you know, you can't just phone it in when you're a parent. But also the fact is, it's terrifying. You don't know what you're doing a lot of the time. And I, you know, I had, it was, it uh, wasn't until a couple of years ago that I admitted to my son, because he's the oldest, everything we went through with you, you were the first one that we went through that. Like you were the first-
4: You were the beta. Kid
0: that test. went to kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's kind of like- <laughs> Uh, You know, and there's times even to this day where I make choices as a parent and go, oh, my God, I hope this is the right choice. Like, I hope I'm not making it worse because and if you're making it worse, like if you make a choice where you hire the wrong roofing guy. your roof will leak and you'll get it fixed but if you fuck up with your kids
4: well you know elizabeth smart's dad hired a roofing guy who later kidnapped his daughter and took her to the woods so uh, (laughs) that's uh, why i was giving you that segue (laughs) the decision on a roofer could be a can be a fraught one but um no i know what you mean like it's i can't and that is why i don't think i can have kids i mean the number one thing i always say about kids is like how can you sign up for something that if something happens to them, your life is over? Like you will not be able to recover from that. I mean, that is the biggest risk and it's so could happen. I mean, kids are stupid and and, and there's so many many ways now that they can be harmed. You're signing yourself, you're taking such a risk and I think being a parent is honestly like more brave than anything I've, you know, me getting up in front of People And talking or whatever, like those things, people are like, you're so brave. You talked about your vagina on your Netflix special, but loving something that much that could, that something could happen and your life would be over and you'd have to live. It's just, I think it's the bravest thing. And I I don't think I could do it.
0: You don't, I mean, I think generally it just becomes a thing where. You know, you're you're with somebody, and that, and it, and it just kind of comes on you this yeah. feeling of like it's time for us to have a child. Yeah. And I honestly don't think that you think about it until, that much uh, until later.
4: Yeah. Until, until later, you're ready I you to know make it with someone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and it is like, you know, and I mean, there's plenty of people that have kids solo, and that's yeah, totally normal too. You know.
4: Yeah. I, um, everyone got into chess after, uh, the queen's gambit. Everyone was like, Oh, I'm buying a, i am buying I learned that I really want to get into chess. And I was like, I think I want to adopt an adult child who (laughs) can just take me on luxurious trips. I was like, that was the first time I was like, Oh, you can adopt like a 16 year old. Like that sounds great to me. Um, because at that point they're less likely to like, you know, walk into traffic and stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, there is a part of me that like wants to adopt and I actually, when I was um, getting ready to talk to you, I called my dad to be like, oh, you know, he might ask about my ancestry, where I've been, where I'm from. And so I, I asked my dad about like my roots and my dad was so excited to talk about all this stuff. But he, <laughs> I go, you know what? The Glazer name is is, is going to end with us because we have no male uh, males to like keep the name going unless I become a single mother. So I, I have, now I have even more incentive because now the, yeah. the name could keep going possibly.
5: Can't you tell my loves are growing?
0: Tim Meadows is truly one of my dearest oldest friends. We have known each other 30 plus years now. And he is one of the kindest, sweetest, uh gentlest souls you will ever meet. And I was really really happy to have him on the show because he does not like to publicly share. It's funny we had we had Nikki, it was the previous clip, Nikki Glazer, and um, she's a bit of an oversharer, one might say. I mean, for me, there's no such thing as oversharing. If you want to tell me, I'll hear it. But Tim is a little more, he's a little more shy. He's a little more reticent. So it meant a lot to me that he was willing to come on this show and be frank and honest. And it's one of the most beautiful interviews I've ever done. He talked about Chris Farley. It was a very emotional conversation Um, and again, I just appreciate how open he was. And he also talks a little bit about how Jane Lynch stole his girlfriend. Here's Tim Meadows. Now you were, you were, were you hired at the same time as Chris Farley? Were you guys like, Uh,
5: he went, he went out before me actually. Yeah. He got hired at the beginning of that season. And then I came out in February. Yeah. the halfway point, yeah, and because
0: you got you guys had been friends before that, yeah. pretty close friends, yeah,
5: yeah, 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 because we both got hired on main stage at Second City at the same time, yeah, and we were we were both in touring companies, you know, yeah, yeah, and so to do that jump together was kind of scary because yeah. we were like, holy shit, people hated us <laughs> because we got jump we got promoted over everybody, right. It wasn't like we deserved it, even though I think he did, but it was Dale Close who was, you know, he was like, I'm picking who I wanted in my show for main stage. Yeah. And so he picked us. That was it. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, then you deserve it. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys are
5: very different
0: performers, though. I mean, you know. Yes. Yeah. You're an excellent actor. You know, you're funny, but you're but you play things real. (laughs) <laughs> and he mm-hmm. does the exact top you know he he's is. a goddamn traveling circus all in one person <laughs> yeah yeah he was he was amazing I, I mean i got to see him a little bit live at different improv shows uh but he yeah. but when i was getting there he had already been to snl but then he came back to chicago and was living on well street you know mm-hmm. uh, near second city and yeah and uh living quite unhealthfully unfortunately
5: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have really great memories of him. And like, sometimes things would flash in my mind. I'll go, Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta write, start writing things down so that I don't forget. Yeah. But, uh, I met, I had these memories, like when we were writing at second city, he and I would, we, we were just nervous during the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this, our schedule would be like, we'd get up in the morning or an afternoon, or whatever we'd go eat breakfast. We'd walk, and go see a movie downtown somewhere. No matter what, we just go see a movie. Yeah. Go back home to my place. I would take a, fall asleep on my couch. He would fall asleep on the floor of, in the living room of me and Richard Label's um, apartment. Mm-hmm. And he would wake up at about six o'clock, shake me, wake me up and say he was leaving. He'd go home, shower, and I'd meet him at the theater. Yeah. So he didn't have time to drink or get high before the show. Yeah. And so we had that schedule going for for a while. And I just remember these moments of like napping on the couch and waking up and looking over and seeing him just all just passed out on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Sleeping soundly like a baby. Yeah. Not drunk or anything. Yeah. You know. And I just, you know, it's those kind of memories of him and I'm just like, that were... Really special, yeah. You know, um, yeah, we had this moment once at Saturday Night Live.
0: I'm like sorry, I'm sorry, it's okay, man. Sorry, right. sorry.
5: Now I get choked up yeah. talking about it sometimes, yeah, and also I feel like I'm just on the phone with you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, I guess I tr- I tricked you. We were at the it was the last show of that first season, and he and I were getting ready to go to the party, which was downstairs. Mm-hmm. Remember, like at the ring. Yeah, yeah. And so we were at that elevator bank on seventeen. just like in the back, you mm-hmm. know. And so we were both waiting, and he looks over at me and he goes, "Timmy, can you believe this?" And yeah. I was like, "No, yeah, I can't believe it." And he goes, we're we on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. I know. And and then he goes, let's just do this one time. So he hugs me, like, really tight. And it's just like, I don't want to forget this moment, you know? He's just, like yeah. our first year on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And he just, it was so, so great. He's such a great guy, man. I miss him. Think about him every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. And when I do comedy, I think of things that like gonna make him laugh. I think that'll get him. Yeah, yeah. Sorry.
0: Fuck I didn't
3: That's all right.
0: I didn't and I didn't this is what I didn't wanna do to you is make you make you cry I didn't think about making you cry but I mean you wanted it I'd be a terrible bar <laughs> you want to get your podcast awards yeah I'm, I was under the table I'm like doing a fist pump I like my arm hurts'm <laughs> all the fist pumps I'm doing yeah no, uh, he was I don't know anybody that didn't like him you know what I mean yeah. and I think and you know what honestly that's something I could say about you too I don't know anybody that doesn't like you you are one of the most loved comedy people. That's sweet, and I mean, and everybody, you know, everybody's got wrinkles and warts and you know, yeah, foibles and stuff. But you, you, you know, you're a very well loved person. You
5: know, thank you. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I was listening to your podcast once. It was funny. It was Jane Lynch. Yeah, and she was telling the story about Faith away, <laughs> Yeah, where she, I was dating Faith at the time. And Faith was a piano player. I don't know. People listening can look yeah. it up or whatever.
0: Faith Soloway is now Joey Soloway's uh, sister and was with her, with, with Joey in the early days, creating the real life Brady Bunch. And, uh, right. And she also, Faith was possibly the best improv pianist in Chicago at the, yeah, at the time. She, she was she amazing. Was fire.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But so, but yeah, she and I was dating and then she had not come out. And then, so we were on the road and I guess, as I remember it, she just didn't come home. Like she was supposed to come back and like come (laughs) to my apartment or whatever. She just didn't come back. And I was like, what's up? Where is she? Where is she? And then she, when she did come back and we talked about it, she came out to me and, but she never told me who it was with. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was listening to your podcast, I heard that it was Jane Lynch. Oh, really? <laughs> she said it during the podcast. And then what was funny about it was that you both, she goes, she was like, you, because uh, he was dating Tim Meadows. She was dating Tim Meadows at the time. And you go, oh, I love Timmy. And she goes, I, I do too. I love Timmy. He's such a sweet person. And you guys were both going like, he's the nicest guy. He's yeah, the nicest yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. She just told the story about <laughs> stealing my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. he's such a nice guy yeah Yeah, i fucked his girlfriend
0: (laughs) i think you were dating faith when i first met you and i i mean i'd met i'd kind of met you at like some improv thing and then you were in a i don't like a circuit city commercial it was like yeah and and i was a pa on it and you were like you know, the, a guy in a red vest selling TVs. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that, yeah, that was like when we first started getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing, like that I like the the, the moment you had that that you had with Chris. You know yeah. that like just the appreciation is so it's so important to keep that, and it it's and it it can take extra effort, you know. It's yeah. like a lot of what happens to you in show business takes extra effort to remain humble, to remain grateful to and to remain normal and to not be a fucking prick. It takes work to stay that way. And I like Jane is a perfect example of someone who's definitely stayed that way mm-hmm. and and you know, the other side of that being feeling lucky is also being like so amazed at how many people that I knew back then are now, Household names. There's not even yeah. you know, like everybody knows him, and it's it's amazing to me to think about it because I didn't think that I didn't have any plan. You know, it's like you said, you know, just like this and follow this, and I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be on TV a bunch. I just was like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Let's see.
5: You know, it's like Pasquazi. David Pasquazi says, "It's like when we were doing improv, it was it led to a, to a, a road to nowhere, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly." We, we, you had no guarantee that anything was going to come from it. Yeah, we were doing it because we were trying to learn how to do this art form and, you know, how to entertain people for an hour with, with off of one word. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, it, and it is fun. There's definitely like an adrenaline charge from being able to do it. And when I was doing it on a regular basis, I felt like my brain was a muscle, you know, like it just, yeah. it was... There was a high from just that feeling of like knowing like, I can get on front, I can get in front of people for an hour and a half without any idea and, and really entertain them. You yeah. know.
5: Can't you tell my love's are growing?:
0: Well, that's it for the best of 2021. Uh, it's only going to get better in 2022. I swear to God, people, get off that ledge. Uh, you know, get your head out of the oven. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna do this., uh, and again, I also i i I said this last time we we did a sort of recap episode. It really means a lot to me that you people are listening to this show and that it matters to you and that you let me know it matters. i yeah you know you, you you podcast, you know, everyone jokes about how everyone has a podcast, and you know, and yeah, I'm one of those people, yeah, that guy's got a podcast too. And at times you wonder, like, yeah, is anybody even listening? But I know that you are because you let me know that you are. And it is very impactful and very meaningful to me that you do. And I just want to thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for your time. And I will see you next week with more Three Questions.
1: Bye-bye.
7: The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blayert, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts.
5: Can't you tell my
1: loves are growing?